Every competition season, I need to take a break from trying to produce a great example of an established style beer and do something a little different to keep my motivation going. That's what this episode's beer is all about. Welcome to Big Monster Brewing. I am Matt, and in this episode, I am making a smoked hop amber ale. Not a smoked amber ale, a smoked hop amber ale. That probably begs the question, what's the difference? And that's a good question. It's a question I have a somewhat technical answer for that might not be correct, but here it goes. In the BJCP guidelines, there is a smoked beer category. It's category 32. This guide, as I'm sure you're aware of by now, is the reference source I use to brew my competition beers and most, if not all, of my first attempts at a new style of beer. I've gone over the two subcategories for that category 32 multiple times now. There are 32A classic style smoked beers and 32B specialty smoked beers. Both specifically state that smoke character comes from smoked malts. That's the technical difference here. At least that's how I see it. Any smoke character that this beer is going to get from the brewing process is going to all come from smoked hops. At least that's what I'm hoping is going to happen. So if it's not a category 32 beer, what is this beer? I think this is my first experimental category beer. That is a category in the guidelines. It's category 34. It's for any beer that doesn't fit in one of the other styles. And I mean intentionally. I've had judged beers that are supposed to be one style but come off as another. The perfect example I've had is that the best stout I've ever had at a homebrew competition was entered and supposed to be a black IPA. It just had been so, uh, I guess it aged out all the hops one way or another. Maybe it was oxidized or something. But it was a fantastic stout, but it was a black IPA. So that's not experimental. That's just not living up to style. It's intended style. So 34 is where... There's really no style description for what you're making. And while smoked is a category, when you start getting down to the nitty gritty of the details and the guidelines, it says smoked malts more than once. So smoked hops, a smoked hop beer to me is different than a smoked beer by those definitions. Will anyone else agree? That's going to be a story for another time, possibly. I'll talk a little bit more about category 32 versus 34 and judging and entering after I see how this beer comes out. So we'll kind of decide what this beer may be and the end of all this. But first, let's set the stage for what I'm doing here. I am smoking some Amarillo hop pellets with a cocktail smoker. You've probably seen one of these. It's a coaster size wooden disc with a small like little mesh filter in the middle. You sprinkle in some wood chips and light them on fire and cover it so that the smoldering smoke falls into the glass and it rolls over and infuses into your cocktail. Doing the same thing, but I'm replacing the cocktail with some pellet hops and that should give you a mental image, I think, of what's going on here. This idea was inspired by a smoked ESB that a local brewery made here a few months ago in Orlando. They used smoked hops and I was shocked of how much smoke character these hops gave and how less aggressive and rough it came out to what my experience is with most smoked beers. The difference between these two beers, apart from the base style, is that they used whole leaf hops. They smoked whole leaf hops, and I'm going to use smoked pellets. I'm not sure how to describe them other than if you haven't 
ever brewed before. Think about a dried out, picked apart Brussels sprout in one hand as your whole leaf hops. And then think about like pellet, uh, I want to say rabbit food. I've never owned a rabbit, but like pellet animal food, except green. That's what they look like in, in the difference. So just having that visual, you can see in your mind's eye that the leaf hops have a lot more surface area, which makes perfect sense when you're making barrels of this, like multiple barrels, which is there's 31 gallons to a barrel. I'm making one gallon. So I think, I think, we'll see. I think if I do like just a layer across the bottom of a cocktail glass, a, a tumbler of these hop pellets at a time until I'm out of the hops that I need and smoke those, I think I'll maximize the surface area of those pellet hops and get a similar result. I don't think that's something I'd want to do for a, a multi-hundred barrel brew, but for a one gallon, I think it's worth a shot. It's, it's, it's not going to take me terribly long, and I'm kind of curious what's going to happen. So there's only one way to find out what's going to happen, and that's to get started with the brew. And to get started with the brew, I'm going to have to smoke the hops the night before. So let's pick up the recordings with the night before brew day. I am doing the first recording for the brew of the Smoke Top Amber Experimental Beer, and it's not brew day yet. It's a couple of days before. I think I'm going to brew this on the weekend. I kind of have a couple things brewing-related and competition-related to do during the last couple of days. It's Thursday, just to give you an idea of what my timeline. Um, I, I have to bottle some tonight, beers for competition. I have to take those beers to my club meeting tomorrow night for competition. I could probably fit a brew day in tonight, but I, it's like I don't it, – it would just it would just fit in. And even though this is going to be a, a short boil and a short mash, I'd rather fit it in when I have more time, and I got plenty of time Saturday. But back to this recording. I'm doing an unboxing of the cocktail smoker I got for the hops, and I think the name of it is Mushk. This looks like M-U-S-H-K on it. All I know is that it was the least expensive with the most options that I wanted, and that means the – uh, four types of wood and the uh, actual device itself. And I just opened it, and first thing, I have an instruction card. I'm going to set that aside and talk about the the fake hay in here, which I kind of saw sticking out. I figured there was, like, fake hay in here. I don't know when fake hay became a symbol of a nice gift. It's it's just it's a it's messy. It's, it's, it's gonna, no matter what I do, some of this is going to get on the floor and I'm going to find pieces of it the next week. But anyway, um, all right, let's keep unboxing. Let's get the instruction manuals, but there's these little tins of wood are actually more than I expected. Are they, I don't know that I can unscrew these. Yeah, I'll have to do that later. I need two hands. They're not pop-up tops or unscrew, uh, they're screw downs. So I got walnut wood, apple wood, which I'm going to use the apple wood, cherry wood. I'm going to use that. I'm going to mix the two together. Then the last one is probably oak. It is oak. I'm sure I'm going to experiment with these, all four of these at one point, but I wanted to try the applewood and cherry wood first. I think the notes of that wood will be better for what I'm doing. Okay, now the device itself is in here. It's in bubble wrap. Oh, and look, there's a strangling piece of that fake hay. Oh, geez. I just turned it over, and a bunch of the scraps of that stupid fake hay fell all over the floor see it doesn't make it look fancy it's a mess anyway okay two pieces well three pieces technically you got the the wood let's see we'll call it the bottom is wood it's tapered to fit different size glasses it's got two let's see was that four big holes and four small holes for venting inside that's a little 
mesh liner for the wood and for the smoke and then the cover on the top which i believe from what i've seen on the videos you put that on top once the smoldering is going so that the smoke goes down and not up but oh there's also oh okay well that's kind of neat there's a very uh that, that's definitely felt velvet i think velvet ish probably faux velvet little carrying bag for it i don't know that i'd do that <laughs> the wood gets permeated with smoke i'd lock it in a little bag like that but maybe we'll see anyway Let's get the instructions card and yeah, the instructions card. And it says how to use the mushk smoker. It is M U S H K. Take out the smoker from the box and familiarize yourself with its all components. Well, we think we just did that. Fill the strainer mesh, okay, the mainer stretch with two to three pinches of wood chips of your choice, okay. Place the smoker on top of the glass or dome, okay. And make sure it's perfectly set and there's no space for smoke to leak. I'm guessing there's like a dome with a hole in the top that's going to go on. It might have been an accessory I didn't see that, but didn't buy. Angle your kitchen torch 5 to 10 centimeters away from the chips pointing diagonally down into the chamber. Mush smoker will only work with lighter torch. Well, I, okay, I guess someone probably asked why they put the wood in and nothing happened at one point and they had to put that line in. Uh, light the torch. You will see start seeing the smoke filter down through the holes into the glass or dome. Do not light the chips for more than 45 seconds. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, turn off the torch. Remove the smoker from the glass or dome. Allow the mesh to cool and dispose of burnt chips into a safe place with care. Timely cleaning of the smoker and strainer mesh with cleaning... What? Timely, timely clean. Oh, timely clean, not cleaning. I think timely clean the smoker and strainer mesh with the cleaning brush prepared. Okay. Oh, provided, not prepared. Uh, did I miss it? Oh, I did. <laughs> there we go. I'm glad I read that. That's no, a little plastic brush with little plastic bristles. All right. It didn't say anything about covering the top, but I'm almost positive I'm supposed to. I'm going to watch a couple. Um, well, I don't think I'll need a couple. I'm going to find a video of this style of, of cocktail smoker and just make sure I'm doing it right. Maybe I don't. Maybe that's put on this. No, you wouldn't smother it because it has air in the side. I'm, I'm going to watch one just to be sure. Uh, I don't want to do something I'm not supposed to, obviously. So I'm going to go check that out. And then I'm probably going to smoke the hops. Man, maybe the day before. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to linger and last, but I'll, I, I may. I think I am. So maybe tomorrow. But let me just make sure I know how to use this thing before I even think about when I'm going to use it. It's the day before brew day, and I'm going to try to smoke the hops. I'm not sure if I have enough time because I had other stuff to do tonight. And I'm not sure what vessel to use because I don't know how bad the smoke's going to permeate the glass. So I found a little 8-ounce, uh, what is it, a mason jar? Yeah, Kerr mason jar. I think it's 8 ounces. It might be 4. No, it's 8 ounces. And I was afraid the way this thing tapers down, it might hit the bottom. But nope, I think we got plenty of room because I want to do it in multiple batches. I want to kind of just cover the bottom and not pile them on top of each other so the smoke can set on top of it. So I think it's going to be perfect. So I'm going to weigh out. I need about an ounce of hops altogether. I'm going to weigh those out and start to attempt to smoke them. All right, I'm outside for this part now, and I got, I think, about half the hops on the bottom of this. Nothing's overlapping each other. They are touching, but I think that's okay. 
I put in, following the directions, instead of a pinch of the wood, but I put in three pinches of each, apple and cherry wood. So I guess that's six pinches if you're measuring along. So all right, I still think I could use some more. Let's see what one does. So I'm about to light it up. Okay, that's definitely going, I think. Let me get another shot. Okay, we got some smoke. And I did see a video on this exact smoker and showed to put the lid on. So I'm trying to see if any smoke is going inside this vessel now. I don't see any yet. Let me see. Okay, there's none rolling out the top, so I don't think it got truly lit. So I'm gonna hit it again a little longer this time. Okay, oh wow, okay, now I see smoke literally pouring into there. That's pretty cool. All right. I'm gonna let that sit for a while. Uh, I'm gonna check back on it in 10 minutes, but I'm not sure how long it's gonna take. Definitely learning as I go here. So the first thing I learned is I think that measurement I was joking about a pinch is actually what they mean. I think putting that the amount of wood I put in the six pinches worth was too much because I think it was clogging the entire, um, I don't know what you would call it, the, the wood bed. The, the, the fire was burning out really, really quick. I was barely getting any smoke. So when I emptied it out and put in just two pinches, I got a big, big difference. So two seems okay. Two of my pinches, your pinches may vary. So I'm going to do it three times. I'm going to smoke this three times until there's nothing but char left. I do, I have had to relight it even with a smaller amount, but I'm liking the result better because I'm actually seeing smoke in there. So I'm on my second round. I'm going to do one more on this. Then I'm going to put this in a Ziploc and then do the last of these hops, put those in there and then freeze them and hope, hope that the smoke that is saturating them lasts tomorrow in the brew. We're going to find that out a little bit later. I am doing the second batch of hops now. I was able to divide it just in two. Don't have to do a third. And I put the first batch in a little Ziploc bag, set it aside, did the first round of smoke on these, did, I'm in the second round now, went back to smell the hops inside the Ziploc bag. And they are absolutely amazing. Now the question is, is this going to hold overnight in the freezer and what, what's the boil going to do to it? And now I'm a little afraid that I'm splitting between unsmoked Cascade and smoked Amarillo. Kind of want to just do smoked Amarillo, but let's, I'm going to stick with the plan at first, as it is now in this first version, see what happens and then decide. But man alive, was that unexpected how good they smell right now. It's brew day and I've got the water going. I've got two and a quarter gallons of water heating up. It's a little over 100 degrees already, so I've added the brewing salts. I'm getting the grist together, so I thought I'd read that off quick before I get to it. And it is going to be, this whole beer is going to be uh, amber ale. And the base is basically made up of stuff that I have left over and I'm not going to use. But still, hopefully should be good. But to give you an idea of where this grist is going, it's or what it's going to be actually, it's two pounds, 3.4 ounces of two row pale malt, 3.7 ounces of Cararid, 2.8 ounces of Carahel, 1.5 ounce of ADL caramel malt, 1.5 ounce of mel melanoidin malt, almost that's all that word and thought I should say, Mandalorian. So melanoidin malt, 
and 0.2 ounces of Carafa 2 just for a little bit of color. The roast shouldn't really come out. And if there isn't a roast, with any luck, <laughs> these smoke tops are going to drown that out. So I'm going to get that together, mill it up into a bag, and should be really close to mashing by the time, by the time I'm actually done all that. The mash is going. It's got about, hopefully about 15, a little more than 15 minutes left. I'm only planning about a 40-minute mash. Trying to do a quick brew day. I'll check conversion to make sure it's okay. I think it'll be all right. It's only it's less than three pounds of grain. I did get the hops together, so I thought I'd run through that quick, discuss what hop additions are going into this. So we got a few, actually, and it starts off at a... It's going to be a 30-minute boil, so I have two hops going in at 30 minutes, and that's 0.14 ounce of Cascade and then 0.1 ounce of the smoked Amarillo. Then at 15 minutes, I'm going to put in 0.1 ounce of Cascade, then at five minutes, there's going to be another double hop drop, 0.2 ounces of Cascade, but then a big drop for a one-gallon batch. It is a big drop of a half ounce, 0.50 ounces of the smoked Amarillo hops. And then to cap it off, it is going to be 0.2 ounces of smoked Amarillo at flame out. I was going to do a flame out addition of maybe about 0.1 ounce and then a dry hop of 0.1 or so somewhere along there and uh, i hadn't really put the numbers down in stone obviously or at least on paper and then i thought i'm not quite sure what smoking these hops do in the way of adding any potential contaminants so i didn't want to put the smoke tops in a dry hop and infect my beer so i opted for a flame out addition and hopefully that will give me both the hop flavor and the smoke flavor i'm hoping all this does i don't know what to expect this is the this is, I think this is the first time in a very long time. I have no idea, not even a clue. I don't even have a goal. Usually when I do a style beer, I, I like, I know what I'm trying to aim for. I know what I want out of this, but I don't know, what, I don't know what's going to happen. This is pretty exciting. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to do that. And the smoke tops smell amazing. <laughs> it's about 20, it is 24 hours later from when I smoked them. They smell even better than yesterday. And there's that it doesn't smell like smoked meat. It smells like the smoke from meat when you barbecue. That's, I just wanted to kind of, I was going to say it has a smoked meat flavor, but take away any dry rub, any marinade and whatnot. And just that smoke, that cold smoke that's used to smoke meat, it's in this hop. This is going to be fun. I really hope this comes out in the beer. It's something I'm not going to know for a while, but I'm going to get back to uh, checking the mash here, check conversion and get, hopefully get the boil on next. Mash is done, conversion's good, color looks fantastic. Just, it's exactly what I want it to be. It smells quite sweet, which is good. And I'm draining, I'm about to boil off, and that's when I take about 10 or so, two cups worth-ish. And you know, I don't sit there and watch it get the measuring cup line. About two cups of uh, wort and pour it over the grain bed to try to clear it up. I'm, one gallon batches never get clear going into the kettle. You get to do most of the clearing as in, well, let time do its thing in fermentation and then use some findings if you want to rush it when you get to packaging. But the main point is, and I think I've explained this before, I want to get any husks that have fallen out of the bag. The mesh bag, I think, is like 300 or 400 micron. I think it's this particular one is 300. So some finer pieces, like little splinters worth get out so i want to make sure those don't get in the boil kettle that's the main reason for this and there's playoff hockey on which you might hear in the background something happened i had the quick turn and look but it wasn't a goal i'm watching an overtime game 
And the fact that hockey, playoff hockey is going on today, this time of year when I'm boiling or brewing, has nothing to do with the fact that I'm trying to make this a short brew day. And that is my story, and I'm going to stick to that, at least until playoffs are done. The wort is in the kettle. I've got the burner turned on. I took a pre-boil gravity reading, and as I've explained a thousand times, I always overcompensate for this whole uh, bag in a ton. I can't seem to dial in the correct efficiency numbers, so I overcompensate for my target numbers knowing that they're going to be less. So it's, I, I hit what I actually intend to get, if that makes sense. It's like paper versus reality. I know what it says on paper, but I'm in reality trying to get a different number. In this case, the target for pre-boil is 1044. I'm at 1039. The only reason I'm bringing this up yet again for the, like the billionth time is because I have a new mill grinder, at least a new or a new malt grinder. Mill, malt mill, it's better said more accurately. At least it's new to me. I got it from the brewers at Toll Road in Ocoee, Florida. There used to be, I'm one of, a member of three different brewing groups and clubs. And this particular one, it's a very small club, very, uh, this is like kind of not intense, but it's where most of the feedback and advice is really narrowed into just one or two beers per meeting per member. And they used to be part of that group, the, the, the brewers that started Toll Road. And they just finally cleaned, kind of cleaned out their gear from the early days. And there was a malt, a mill malt, a malt mill. God, I, why am I not getting it right? A malt mill that's never been touched that they gave to us. Everyone in the group has one. I even have one, but it's been a little wonky lately. I think the rollers are starting to die on that. So I was like, I'll take it. Finally used it, and it is chewing through malt so fast and so uh, evenly. My efficiency numbers on my anvil brews have shot up. I'm going to have to go and adjust all my recipes because I'm actually coming in way too high. It's made my brew in the bags a little high, but I think the one, the highest one was, that was kind of a fluke. So like the, what I'm trying to say is, um, what I should better say, explain as I had one, one gallon batch with this new mill that hit all those high numbers that I make high on purpose. That's been one of, this will be the third. So one of two, possibly three. I think that one was just a fluke. It just, something seemed, uh, like I maybe miscalculated or maybe misweighed or something. So I'm not quite going to uh, uh, chime in and decide definitively that my efficiencies have also gone up with these, these mash in the bags, but this will be another data point to find out if not so far it's pointing towards not, which I think is more accurate just because of the nature of way of the way this, these brews are done regardless of the mill, but we'll find out. So I am a little low, which means I'm right on target. We'll know for sure what how off these numbers are or if the efficiency is approved when we get to that final number of the mort that goes into the fermenter. I got a pretty big boil going here. Actually, now that I'm saying that, a little too big. And I'm kind of gonna give it about however long it was for me to just say that, I'm letting the, the kind of hot break sink back in, which it's mostly back in now. I'm gonna turn down a little more. Get this down just a touch more. I want a rolling boil. I don't want what I had there. That's a little too much. And that looks good. So I'm gonna start the timer and put in the combination hops, which I just did. That's the Cascade and Smoke Tops and, ah, 
I get a little smoke. I'm trying to put my, <laughs> my nose over this without getting a face full of steam or my glasses steamed up too, I just realized because I kind of got them half steamed. I smell. I'm going to try it again. Yeah, a little smoke. I think, I think it's really going to be noticeable when I put that half ounce in inside this boil. So we'll see. Still excited. This is going to be a fun beer. We hit the 15-minute mark, so I added that solo Cascade Hop Edition. And that's about all there is to report. I have the additional boil editions ready, which I didn't mention before. And that's yeast nutrients, 10 minutes in Rolflock, somewhere from 5 to 2 minutes. I think those are pretty standard at this point, unless I'm doing a hazy or something that needs to be cloudy, like a wit beer or a Hefeweizen. So those I don't really tend to mention, but I am now because recording three seconds saying I put in one little bit of hops seemed like a waste of a recording. So now I've stretched it out with a longer waste of a recording. We hit five minutes and I just put in the big addition of hops, which had the half ounce of smoked Amarillo. So I am putting my face over the boil kettle and huh, I don't think I'm getting any more smoke uh, aroma than I got um, the first time. And yeah, I, ooh, <laughs> it's got a big blast of steam in the face. Not yet. Okay. Well, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I know what I thought would happen, but the, the two rarely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, agree or coincide when experimenting like this. So we shall see. So that brings me down to the last five minutes. Just waiting to do the flame out, and I'm going to get the ice bath ready to chill this and get this all. Oh, I got to get the fermenter. Um, oh, what's the word? Uh, sanitized. Okay, I got a lot to do. I'm going to stop recording. All right, I added all the last bits of the World Flock in that last hop edition. I got the ice in the ice bath. I just put the kettle in the ice bath, and I wasn't going to really record much of the chilling because it's boring. It's me stirring it for 20 minutes and taking temperature. But when I put that kettle in, I got a big face full, nostril full, whatever, of the most awesome smoke aroma that it just finally came out oh man this is i've said it like 15 times in this but this is gonna be this has been so much fun to make it's gonna be so much fun to see how this ends up so i'm gonna go ahead and chill it don't want to let it sit and get any off flavors creating but i had to stop and record and mention that that beautiful aroma that just rolled right off that kettle all right i'm finishing up here on brew day i did take the gravity reading i'm at 1048 which is short it's my target was 1055 it's actually a little shorter than normal it's usually within five points so it's a little outside that but more i would expect that more than it to be higher or even a smaller gap than five so i think that whole question of whether or not the efficiency is approved for this method with this grain mill was it's getting answered i wouldn't say it's definitive yet but it's that's more uh, what would you say? That's another data point in the favor of it not changing it, only improving it with the end bills, which is fine. I'm not going to complain about that at all. Um, what else? I Well, I pitched, everything's done. I just need to clean. And I pitched the yeast. It was flagship by Imperial. I put a blow-off tube on because it's an Imperial yeast. And I tasted it. Noticeable smokiness, very strong bitterness. So I'm curious which which one is going to outweigh the other and the, some malt sweetness obviously with the, that kind of malt bill but 
the smoke was something that really came out in the finish and is li still lingering to an extent. Now, this is unfermented wort, so who knows, but looking good. I'm trying to keep this data point in my head and record it. I don't know. Data point is something I usually don't say, but I've been saying a lot of this episode. But I want to keep that noted so that when I go back to this, if the smoke is waning, I'm already thinking ahead to the next brew. I even need more smoke tops or more smoke in the hops, maybe more smoke tops, especially late additions. So I'm kind of making that mental note and recorded note now, but we'll see. We got about two weeks, three with carving and, and uh, packaging to really know. been eight days and i just took a gravity reading on the smoke top amber and it's a 1009 it's not going to get much drier so i'm going to go ahead and keg it normally i'd cold crash my beers before kegging them but since this is an experiment and i'm really not doing anything with it other than tasting it i'm going to go ahead and keg it and kind of do a cold crash in the keg so that's what i'm setting up to do next plus i'm kegging two other beers i figured why go through the process of I have to clean it between keggings anyway, but why make that a two-night process when I can fit it all in in one night? So I'm going to do that and then let it sit probably 48 hours. It's really going to come down to schedule. It's going to be at least two days, maybe a little longer, and then carbonate it and see what we got. It is tasting time for the Smoked Hop Amber Ale, and I'm going to start with a little disclaimer, if that's even the right word. What I'm trying to say is I have tasted this beer before, did a full tasting experience of this beer. I just got back just a few days ago from Denver from a beer vacation with my wife and I, and we met another couple. We do these beer vacations once a year or so. At least me and my friend meet up at least once a year at a beer city. Denver was our choice this time, and I took a can of this to get his opinion and along with some other cans, but took that along and I kind of wanted to, with my first real tasting post-packaging as well, so I took my time enjoying it to kind of get a feel for what this beer is. So there's not, uh, this is a, uh, not a blind tasting like usual. It's not a first taste. It's a, I have some knowledge of this beer. It's a week later, I guess, or so since I tasted it, at least maybe uh, give or take a day. But with that, um, I, like I said, I have a little bit of knowledge of this beer, so some things I'm going to remark on I've already known, and I'm kind of getting a feel for how they are a week later. So starting with the color, it's it's amber. It's very, it's if you had an amber scale, it's going to be on a light end, which is fine. The, the, the color wasn't the goal. It's kind of where I thought this beer would lie in the that SRM range, so that's why I called it an amber ale, and it's it's definitely amber. It's not a, nowhere near brown, and it's not gold, but it's very light amber. Surprisingly clear. It's not crystal clear. I All I did was keg findings, and I didn't even cold crash this because I was trying to get it carbonated in, into a can to take with me to Denver. So I shaved about two, two to four days off my usual process of this. But with that, it's still surprisingly clear for what it, for what it went through. If I did the entire uh, process that I usually do cold crashing, finding, letting it sit after finding carbonating, letting it sit a few more days than packaging. It'd probably be even clearer, but it's surprisingly clear for what it did for, for what it went through. Um, head retention is okay. Uh, Amber ales aren't known for their big, thick, frothy heads. It's in that middle range. The picture came out pretty good of how the head stayed for a little bit. It's down now. It's, it's a very thick um, ring now around a collar, actually is what you call it, on the inside of the glass. And there's this 
about a quarter size island floating in the middle of bubbles, really tiny bubbles. So that's, that's, I, I don't think that's out of the range of an amber ale at all from at least not what I would expect from one. Let's go on to the aroma and I'm going to see if the same thing is carrying through that it did a week ago. It is definitely more, it, okay, let's just say this. I'll, I'll give you the order. It's hop forward followed by malts and maybe some smoke. But honestly, the strength of the hops that came out in this is, which is considering the hops, some of the hops are actually smoked, the strength of just the hop flavor alone, or aroma, I should say, is the dominant aroma, which I didn't necessarily expect. And if I, what was going to happen, I would expect the smoke to be second. It's not. It's malt. It's, it's, it really does climb kind of a ladder as your, uh, as you, your senses adjust. It's hop malt, maybe smoke. And if you didn't know if it was smoked, if I just handed this to you and didn't say anything about this, you might not pick out the smoke. I think there's a knowledge bias to that. So giving it another pass, it's, yeah, it's, that's, it's still the same. It's, it's hot malt and uh, barely any smoke. So now let's go on to the taste. Cause I, this is where things had gotten interesting. Let's see if they still do. This is following exactly what I experienced a week ago. And this is crazy. For as little to no smoke aroma that there is, there is more than a noticeable amount of smoke flavor. It's very, it's prominent without being overwhelming. It's accompanying the hops first, and then the malts come in behind it. So it's smoke and hops and then malt. It's actually really crazy how smoky this tastes compared to how it smells. It's not the smokiest beer I've ever tasted, but it's way more smoky or smoke flavor, whatever you want to call it, then the aroma lets on. And in fact, the aroma doesn't really even let on and it's going to have any smoke. And this is just, there's so much good smoke in here along with some other good things. It's crazy. I'm going to taste it again. It's, that is just so crazy how a few minutes with a cocktail smoker brought out that much smoke in that little hops compared to how much, you know, liquid there was, uh, how much wort. This is this is really this is one of the most fun beers I've ever made, and it's as equally fun to drink. I'm going to taste it one more time. Well, no, I'm not, but <laughs> I'm going to taste it again. Let's say that there's no way it's going to be the last taste. What I like most about this, and I think my friend and I discuss this a little bit, it's not that really. Uh, what I don't even know how you describe it. That kind of like punch you in the mouth smoke, like the meat, like a, a smoked meat smoke flavor that i get in so many smoked beers uh usually it's it's almost drying almost i don't want to say tannic it's not that's not quite it maybe a little bit of astringent but there's always just like a bite bite to it there's a, a bit of a sting i get out and this is this could be just my palate just a little bit of a uh, almost harshness not unpleasant i'm just trying to find a way to describe it there's almost like a physical reaction to the smoke Really heavy smoke beers can come off super medicinal on my palate, and I really don't like that at all. This is almost the complete opposite of that description. It's smooth. It's not subtle. It's soft. It's accompanies everything in here really well, and it's it's just smooth. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's a different type of smoke, and I think that might have something to do with how the smoke was added to the beer, apart from. I'm sorry, opposed to using smoked malts. Obviously, we use smoked top pellets. It's this, this is the most, this is one of my favorite beers I've ever made. I'm going to flat out say it because it's so freaking interesting and it's so much fun to 
analyze and fun to make. And I'm going to taste it again, even though I don't think I can add anything else to all that. It's just so good. It's it's a ref- it's almost a refreshing smoked beer, which is not something you say too often. At least I don't, and I, I'm not a fan of smoked beers. I just wanted to see if I could do this, but I'm a fan of this beer. This is crazy. This is I did not, even though I knew, and like my initial surprise reaction was a week ago. I'm still a little surprised now how well this worked. I it, smoking it with a cocktail smoker. I just was not sure how much smoke it was going to add in those hops, but I I, I I don't know how much it did because I don't know how you measure it, but I like what I got and I cannot wait to do this again. So let's talk about a couple of things here that I kind of led into with the uh, introduction of the show here. First, while I make this again, I just said I'm going to make this again. Am I going to change anything? I don't think so. At first, before I got to the final packaging and tasting, I thought maybe I'd smoke all the hops, like the Amarillo and the Cascade. Once everything started to meld together, I guess, is what happened. I don't want to change that. So I'm going to stick with the exact recipe and make this again. In fact, I'm not even sure I'm going to upscale this. I think I might make a couple one-gallon batches the same exact way to get the same result because now we're talking about a variable that I don't even know how to approach or calculate. I would assume it's going to be the same amount of hops, and if I smoke them the same way, I should get the similar result, if not the same. But since I smoke so few hops on such a small vessel, that's going to take more time than I think I want to do for a big batch, unless we end up needing it for uh, like some kind of really specialized competition or something. I'm not going to say I wouldn't do it, but while I'm still playing with this and in competition season and trying to make fresh entries for competition season, I think I'll do this one gallon at a time. Which leads into, without me even attempting to segue, leads into me talking about, am I going to enter this in a competition? I think I am. We got one coming up where I have my three strongest entries in, but in just a couple of days from this recording, in fact, it should be the day before this is released, they're going to open up two more entries if they're not full. And they're not full. And unless they get like a hundred and some people in the next two days to enter or entries, they're going to do that. They should, if they're going to keep to their, their announcement, they should be opening it to more, two more entries. And I'm going to make one of those two entries this beer. Now, what do I enter it as? Talked about it in the beginning. It's technically an experimental beer. I mean, if you are to read the letter of the guidelines word for word, and there's not a ton of room for interpretation when it specifically says smoked malt each time, it's an experimental beer. There lies the possible issue. Are the judges that are going to judge the experimental beer going to interpret it the same way, even though I don't think there's too much room for interpretation? And doubly so, are they going to go back and read the smoked guidelines to verify that? There's all kinds of judges, but there's two, (laughs) I can generalize them into two categories and then start separating them from there. Category one would be judges that refresh their memory, make sure they're doing the exact thing or, or looking for the exact thing that the guidelines are looking for with every flight that they do. And including experimental, when it declares something like a smoked top beer, would you'd expect look at the smoked category to make sure it isn't where it goes. The other broad category, again, these are broad categories are the judges that just know everything, no matter what you tell them, show them, explain to them. They, and will just go with what they think they know and not verify anything and not listen to anyone's argument. If you get two of those and they think smoke beer is a smoke beer is a smoke beer. doesn't matter what the guidelines say, and I'm not going to read them. It's not going to do well. If I get two of the other ones, 
it might be overthought and probably a better chance. If I get a mix of the two, I'm sorry for those two for causing the fight that this beer might create. So I'm not sure. Again, those are so broad of categories. There are so many. Uh, there's a big Venn diagram of the two groups, and there's a lot of, of outlining descriptions as well. So it's these. those are two possibilities of judges that I could get along with a million other things. What I'm trying to say is with the ver- varied types of judges and the way people approach judging beers and this being fairly unique when it comes to a smoked beer, it's worth entering an experimental category. It's also worth entering in a smoke category. And then you have the opposites problem. Whereas you get that side that looks at the guidelines, reads them to the letter and says, these aren't smoked malts. It's not a smoked beer. Or you get the, uh, I guess, I'm not sure what the know-it-alls would say. I'm not sure. (laughs) But so you see my, my problem. It's a very interesting, it's an interesting way to make a style of beer that can be interpreted in two different categories. I think I'm going to roll the dice and go an experimental when the time comes because I've never entered an experimental beer. They're usually typically very low entered uh, what's the categories. So it also helps kind of stack the odds in your favor. So hopefully the judges that judge this, well, two things. Hopefully they consider smoke tops an experiment and hopefully they like it. If they don't like it, none of that matters. I know I like it. I'm going to make it again. And... As much as I'd love to make this for a festival, that's five times the hops I'd have to do for this. But who knows? May someday. And uh, when you get to a really beer-centric focus, there's a couple of there's, – there's all kinds of festivals. But there's a couple of festivals here in Central Florida that are – they kind of just pull in, like, the really serious beer geeks, the homebrewers, the pro-brewers, and the beer geeks. And they're not as big as, like, just a day of drinking festival, which both are fun. Don't get me wrong. But this might be one for one of those kind of focused, smaller group industry and fans and hobbyist uh, festivals. Can think of the word there, even if it's a competition or not. Well, the festivals typically aren't. So, so that might be worth doing for that. And I could probably get away with two and a half gallons at a smaller one like that. That is something I'll have to think about down the road. But until then, I'm going to make more of this because the can I took to. Well, let's see. I don't even know if I can do all the math, but the, all the cans are accounted for, and I made three bottles for pro- possible competition, and I will be out of this soon, and I, it makes me sad because I'm really enjoying this, and I want to share it with more people. So I am going to make some more of this, not as soon as I s- hit stop on this recording, but very soon. So I'm going to enjoy the rest of this beer. Hope you enjoyed this incredibly unique brew day that I had. Um if you're a brewer, try this, man. This was crazy. And you can, like, you, you, combinations of woods and hops, and you might even be able to smoke malts this way, too. I don't know if I'm going to try that. Maybe. I don't know. You need a lot more malts than you need hops, but might be worth a shot. Get Try it. It's, a, it's an $8, I think, $8, $9 cocktail smoker on Amazon, and I still have it. Still in really good condition, and I'll be using it until it's not, so... That is it. Again, thank you for listening, and I'll be back soon with a new episode and another beer not near as interesting as this. It's going to be a little more straightforward, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. So, again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you in that next episode. 